The Korean Thrive Podcast, episode 122. How to be a misfit entrepreneur with Kate Toon. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name is Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hey Thrivers, Jess here. Welcome to another week and another episode of the Create and Thrive podcast. This week I have some exciting news. Well, we have adopted a lovely new kitty cat from our local animal rescue organization. Her name is Alice. That's the name she came with. We call her Alice or Allie. And she's a beautiful little thing, about 10 months old. We're very slowly introducing her and (laughs) Teddy, our other cat, uh, Teddy's a bit special. He really doesn't like other cats being around. So we're taking our time introducing the two of them. And hopefully, eventually, they will bond and become brother and sister. But in the meantime, Ali is currently sitting on my windowsill right in front of me while I record this intro. And uh, she's sequestered in my office. That's her safe space. So if you want to have a look at the cuteness that is Alice, she is very cute. Head on over to the Create and Thrive Instagram. There's a little photo of her there. And also, excitingly, coming up very soon is the last opening of the Thriver Circle for 2017. Yes, membership will be opening September 27th and will be open for 72 hours only. So if you want to join us, head on over to thrivercircle.com. Keep your eye on that. If you're a member of the Create and Thrive email updates, you will get a few emails reminding you that membership is open. And not only do you get access to our wonderful community of 450 plus makers from all over the world, uh, access to around about 30 video workshops that I've made exclusively for makers uh, and only for members of the Thriver Circle. We have uh, monthly chats, calls, Facebook Live, all sorts of stuff, projects. And you, of course, get exclusive access to my year-long course for makers called Your Year to Thrive, where you get one lesson a week for 52 weeks. And I take you through everything you need to learn and know in order to set up and grow a successful handmade business. So I hope you do decide to join us. Thriver Circle is really what keeps this podcast going. Without the Thriver Circle, I would not be able to afford to do this. So huge thank you to every single member of the circle past and and present. And also, if you do love the podcast and you would like to show your support, that is the absolute best way to do so. Joining the Thriver Circle, not only will you help support the podcast, but you'll get all of those benefits and more, as I mentioned earlier. And this week, my guest is the wonderful Kate Toon, who I met at the Artful Business Conference this year, and we we uh, clicked and got along really well. And we've got a few little uh, things in the works, but for now, I wanted to invite her on the show to talk about how to be a misfit entrepreneur. She's written a book uh, about this very subject, which I read and found hilarious and uh, really, you know, it's... It's really, really great for those of you who feel like you're not a real entrepreneur or a real business owner. You're not alone. And this uh, this episode and Kate's book will make you realize that there's no one right way to be an entrepreneur and that you have to just figure out how to do it your way. And that's okay. So I hope you really enjoy this chat. Uh, Kate is an expert in search engine optimization. So listen out for a future episode. I might have her back on the show to talk about that and an expert in copywriting as well. 
So enjoy this episode with me and Kate Toon. Hey, Kate, welcome to the show. Hello, lovely to be here. It's lovely to have you. It's lovely to, we've been talking about doing this for a while, so it's lovely to finally have you on the show chatting about something that is, I think, very important to talk about. And that is not necessarily doing things the way that other people do them. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, me too. It's the way forward. <laughs> and you actually wrote, literally wrote the book on this uh, <laughs> in your book, Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, where you talk about exactly uh, how you are and how other people can be a misfit entrepreneur. But let's start with defining that. What does it actually mean to be a misfit entrepreneur? Well, I guess we've all seen the articles and the images on Facebook of the so-called entrepreneurs, you know, mm-hmm. you know. To make a sweeping generalization, they're usually a little bit glamorous, very well put together. They've got like a lapel mic on and they're speaking on some kind of TEDx stage, spouting forth wisdom. Um, either that or they're sitting on a desk with really good legs, counting money, all the money, the seven figures that they've earned in the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I just never really identified with any of those people. So, but I still kind of am an entrepreneur. So it's kind of. I'm I'm an odd entrepreneur or a misfit entrepreneur, so not quite fitting the mould, which I think most of us don't, to be honest. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I, whenever I see those Facebook ads or people with you know leaning up against a yacht, or I don't know whatever you know <laughs> that idea yeah, that there's yeah. yeah, like there's one particular lifestyle or goal lifestyle for entrepreneurs, whereas I think that's completely false, because I mean, what do, what is an entrepreneur? Any, just regularly, a business owner? Well, uh, you know, I looked into the definition and it literally is anybody who has a business that involves some level of risk, which is kind of, you know, it, all businesses involve some level of risk. <laughs> exactly. You know? uh, you're putting it, for, whether it's from a personal point of view of putting yourself out there or investing in something and then hoping that you get a return. So all of us are entrepreneurs. I just think the word has been stolen and applied to these kind of, you know, what excessively white teeth, smooth people, you know, it's been stolen from us. Um, I feel foolish calling myself an entrepreneur. Mm. Uh, it's, I call myself a business owner or a copywriter or a podcaster or a hula hooper um, because I feel entrepreneurs almost got negative commentations mm-hmm. these days. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think that is definitely the case. I think a lot of uh, people do shy away from calling themselves an entrepreneur because they feel like that's, you know, when I think about that word, I think, you know, big business, people with billions of dollars or, you know, Silicon Valley startups or, yeah. you know, these people yeah. who are sitting in their offices working every day, all day, glued to their computers. And it's just not what life looks like for people, especially like me and my community in the handmade business industry. That's not what our lives look like. No, it's not. And I think then there's the conversely, there's the, you know, the entrepreneur who's sitting in a hammock only working one hour a day, which again is another internet myth. It's very spread, you know, spread by the the four hour work week book. Mm -hmm. So I think it's either or and neither of those applied to me. I also think it's been, it's synonymous now with with a degree of greed, you know, like you have to be earning seven figures or six figures. And, you know, a lot of us, well, that's a lovely dream. It's it's not really necessary or part of our overall life goals. You know, we want want a reasonable income and a nice life, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we're kind of that's kind of frowned upon, and unless we're stretching ourselves and aiming for these massive million dollar budgets, we're not a real entrepreneur. And I just don't think that's true. 
No, I don't either. And I think that's actually a really damaging idea. And um, this is something that I'm quite passionate about in my life because the reason I am a business owner or an entrepreneur and is because I wanted to build a life around, you know, the lifestyle I wanted to lead. I wanted to create a business that supported that lifestyle. Now, that being said, I love lying around in my hammock, but I can't (laughs) lie around in my hammock for, for, you know, all day, every day, because when you have a business, you do have to work. Like there's no way around it. (laughs) (laughs) You do have to put in the work and especially at the beginning. And by beginning, I I, I mean the first few years, you will have to put in the most work because it takes the most time to get things rolling and get momentum and build a brand. And then later on, hopefully, you know, you can take a little bit more time to breathe. However, this idea that you should always be working to grow. I really, I'm really dislike it. You know, the, what do you think of this idea of growth is good all the time? Well, I think it's, you know, there's the, the Wall Street movie with Gordon Gecko where he mm. talks about greed being good. And I think now it's been replaced with the mantra of growth is good. There's a whole chapter in my book which talks about small being beautiful. And, um, you know, you, I, I don't want to grow. I don't want a team. Um, I've, you know, I've reached an income level where if I go much higher, what's the point? Do you know what I mean? I'm <laughs> yes. just giving it to the tax man. Um, and, you know, you can't, you know, it's exhausting to constantly grow. What's wrong with just, you know, <laughs> sustaining, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and yes, you have to set goals, but they don't necessarily need to be financial or growth related. They could be related to the fact that you're going to be a bit less stressed or you're going to make time in your day to take a walk or you're going to spend a bit more time with your community or whatever it may be. There's still goals we can set, but they don't necessarily have to be financial based or growth based, you know? So I think the growth is good is this eternal carrot on the end of a stick which actually just turns into a stick to beat yourself with because you're not growing and you're not doing the things and I I don't want to beat myself with that stick anymore no me neither me either and I think it's important that people realize that it's not necessary you know that we don't always have to grow I, I know I get asked you know I'm in the same position as you I've reached this lovely lovely point in my business where things are just kind of right where I want them to be I work as much as I need to but not too much i have plenty of spare time i get eight hours sleep every night you know things are things are good and i often have people say to me well don't you want to make you know don't you want to sell more jewelry or don't you want to um you know get more people into your courses and stuff like that i'm like well i could but that would mean working harder and working longer hours for like you said more money and what's the point i have enough i have enough money from what I'm earning now to live comfortably the life that I enjoy. And, you know, I think that idea of not, not having to keep striving for something, but actually just realizing that you've arrived at this place. that's really lovely and just enjoying it. Yeah. It's a hard place to reach though. Mm. Um, And it's a hard place to feel comfortable in, especially if you have put in those long hours and you have been building something for a long time. You get to this point. um, I had a big point um, a couple of um, a month or so ago where I sold out my big course in a day uh, and I made more money in that that day than I made in the first two years, pretty much, of running my (laughs) business. And I thought that that would be satisfying and I thought that that would make me feel great. And it did. It was great. But it didn't. It it wasn't as great as I thought it would be because really that wasn't the whole point. Uh, it, it's a funny place to. But then I'm like, well, I don't actually need to run the course again this year, financially. <laughs> financially, but 
it is a weird place to be. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's a weird place to feel comfortable with because we're so used to stretching ourselves and pushing ourselves. And people are always asking, well, what's next? What are you going to do next year? And when you come back and say, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to keep on keeping on. It's a very boring answer. And people, are, <laughs> people don't like it. They're like, oh, well, they want your disappointment. You know? so it's hard, I think. Well, I struggle with it sometimes. Um, yeah. I, I think, need to get comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. And I think we need to become learn how to be comfortable with that within ourselves, um, that we can just keep doing what we're doing and that's okay. We don't have to always be doing something new or different or exciting uh, to be happy. You know, we can be yeah. happy with the way things are. I think it's a human condition, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we are very based around the idea that, you know, we need to solve problems. Um, and that's what gives us happiness, solving problems. You know, I, I want to have a business, so I set up a business. I'm not earning enough money, so I'll earn more money. But the problem is when you solve a problem, other problems appear. And it's a continual thing. And we need to get happy about the fact that we will always have problems. We're always going to suffer. And we're just suffering in different ways. You know, so now I'm at the point where, yeah, you know, I'm not suffering quite the way I was when I first started out. But now I'm like suffering from the feeling of, well, should I do something? What next should I should I do? People are expecting things of me. That expectation is a bit crushing sometimes. <laughs> it's just a different type of problem, you know? Yeah, and I think the expectations we have on ourselves are often the worst expectations because they come from inside of us. And I think a lot of people in my community often talk about this feeling that they're not doing enough, that they're not good enough, that they're not making progress fast enough. And I think that's a dangerous place to be and not a very nice place to be. Yeah, I mean, some people call it imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. um, or beating yourself up. And I think, you know, we do this because we measure ourselves against other people when we have no idea what their reality is. So, you know, I don't know. We've only met once. It was a lovely meeting. (laughs) You know, from the outside looking in, you know, you're fabulously successful. You've got this membership group. You've got great hair. um, (laughs) And I could be sitting here going... God, I hate her with all her stuff and her things. And why is she why is she able to do this and I'm not? But I don't know your journey. I don't know what you've put in. I don't know you as a person. I, can't, I just simply can't measure myself against all those unknowns without coming up negatively. Mm-hmm. And, and it is really hard. I think imposter syndrome is something that stops us all from doing lots of things because we waste so much time worrying about how rubbish we are, whereas we should really just get on with it. You know, because doing anything is better than doing nothing, you know, so I totally agree. And I think it's really important for people to hear the fact that when they're looking at people from the outside who are successful, you need to realize that they feel that as well. Like Mm -hmm. nobody is immune from this feeling of being an imposter or not being good enough or not, you know, doing enough or doing the right things. Everybody feels that even if from the outside they look like they're super successful. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, through the, the speaking events that I've done this year, I've met some, you know, people, that, you know, sort of uber successful people. And you're right, you talk to them. And, yeah, maybe they don't feel that feeling as frequently, but there is always someone doing better than you. So no matter how, you know, unless you literally are Bill Gates, but then Bill Gates <laughs> probably hated um, Apple guy, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, <No>. Steve Jobs. <laughs> And, uh, you know, or unless you're Mark Zuckerberg, but then he probably hates Brad Pitt. Do you know what I mean? And Brad Pitt hates the new up and coming star that's younger than him. Mm. And, you know, there's always someone. 
and and you know yeah there's always someone better than you and there always will be and that person who's better than you probably thinks someone else is better than them so it's just an endless chain of misery i'm only joking no (laughs) no because you just need to stop the chain stop looking you know stop thinking that way stop looking at other people and focus on yourself and what you can realistically do to grow your business that's it. I mean, a big step I took this year was to stop consuming and start creating. So I, you know, I did leave all the Facebook groups. Um, you know, we all hate follow people. We're on people's email lists or we like their Facebook page, even though they're our competitors. Mm-hmm. And we look at those pages and it, it just makes us feel bad one way or another. And I'm not, I'm not immune to that. I, I've been in other people's, you know, seen other SEO people launching little courses. And I'm like, God, I should do that. Ignoring all the things that I'm already doing. So I took a big conscious step of going I don't need to be aware of what my competitors are doing it doesn't matter I have a to-do list that will last me forever so I don't need to be aware of what their to-do list is and what they're doing because it just makes me feel bad and it's been the most amazing freeing experience to just stop looking stop looking at what your competitors are doing if you can yeah I totally agree I I don't think it serves anybody really to be looking at that on an obsessive basis you know if you're in you're in an industry that requires you to keep up with some sort of i don't know fashions or fads or whatever maybe but do you want to be in that industry like (laughs) is that where you want to be or does it just add stress to you so maybe moving away from that uh you know with me with my jewelry business i could try to uh keep up with fashions and fads and stuff but i chose to go the complete opposite direction and create stuff that i thought was timeless and that will always work and always be the right thing for my customers. And it seems to be, you know, that seems to have worked for me. And it means that I don't have to worry about what other people are doing because it doesn't matter to my business. That's it. And I think if you're looking for inspiration or you're feeling like you don't have any new ideas, the best place to go is not to your competitors. It's to your customers. Mm. Your customers will always tell you what they want. And, you know, literally send a survey out. Ask them, which, what do you like? What do you think I should do next? Often I will, you know, ask my communities. You know, I'm sitting here. I'm thinking I could do these 10 different things. Which one appeals most to you? And then whatever one they vote for, I do. Because they are the people who are going to end up buying the thing. So their their opinion matters much more than my own sometimes. <laughs> and definitely, definitely my competition because, you know, their customers aren't my customers necessarily. Exactly. So looking to your customers, look, I always say another thing you can do is look to your past sales. You know, yeah. if you've been in business for a while, what's, what's going really well? What are people buying? Or if you don't have things for sale necessarily, what are people commenting on or reading if you have a blog? You know, what's popular? Look to what people are enjoying or what people are choosing to spend their money on and do more of that. Yeah, that's it. It, it sounds so absurdly simple, but it's surprising how few people actually do that. You know, they look outside their business for the direction, whereas really they should be looking within a lot of the time. Definitely. Now, why do you think, and I think this is particularly prevalent uh, amongst one Australians and two women who are have this fear of standing up, standing out, and talking about their business. Do you? Th- why do you think that is the case? And how can we I, overcome that? 
Well, I think it's I think it's quite a British thing as well. I'm, yeah. I, I can probably tell from my accent I'm I'm British, and in in England there's this fabulous culture of building people up, and then as soon as they get any kind of level of confidence, going oh they're so arrogant and cutting them back down to size again, and that, that doesn't seem to exist in America. You know, there seems to be an endless confidence. Mm-hmm. There's no no bounds to how much com- you know how, confidence is is positive and and uh, applauded. Um, so I think it's two things. I think we're scared of looking arrogant. Uh, we're scared of looking like fools. And there is truth to the fact that sometimes when you poke your head above the parapet, you do attract negativity. And if you're a sensitive soul, which most of us are, that negativity hurts. You know, I've had some terrible experiences online. People have said wretched things to me at different times. And in the early years of my business, it was it was very upsetting and enough to maybe make me go, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think those are the reasons why. And um, how do you overcome it? By just ignoring the haters. Haters going to hate. Trolls going to troll. <laughs> it's your business. Delete that comment. Ignore that email. Remove that person from your group who's annoying you. It's your business. <laughs> and just try and build up a bit of a tougher skin and realize that, you know, A, most people are doing that from a place of jealousy and insecurity, so you can feel sorry for them. Or B, they're just I want to say a swear word, but I'm not going to say it. They're just nasty people. <laughs> I'm sure this isn't an explicit podcast. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I think I know what word you're going to use, though. So, yeah. I, I'm not sure you did. <laughs> I've got some creative ones here. But, yeah, you know, nine times out of ten, this is a trick two thing. Either the people are just complete idiots and there's nothing you can do about that anyway. And they're just going to, you know, hopefully they'll get bored of picking on you and they'll pick on someone else. Or when you actually meet that person, they're not half as bad as, as, they, as you thought they were. We all read tone into things online. We all think people are coming or attacking us when honestly they could just be asking a question, you know. Mm. It's, so I think it's a combination of just going, haters going to hate. There's nothing I can do about that. I'm going to focus on the positive. But it is a real challenge. Um, and it's something I felt as a challenge. I feel like I'm through it now. Like, I really think that, you know, lots of people could hate my book and that'd be fine. There's enough people who like it. You know, you can't please everyone. Not everyone's going to like you. And that's OK. That's actually a chapter of my book. You know, not everyone's <laughs> going to like you. But that is not the goal of business. Business is not a popularity contest. Your friends, your family, your children and your pets hopefully like you. Um, some of your customers may like you. Some of them may not. And if if, if you're going into your business to be liked and loved by every person you will be disappointed so don't make that a goal yeah and you also I think have to remember like you said you can't please all of the people all the time and so and usually when you get that customer who is a complete nightmare mm-hmm. it's more about them than you and totally. you have to remember that and often when people do these things like when you know I talk in the book about copycatting and you know people just you know when you, people do dumb stuff like you've put up you know i see this in a lot of handmade groups where someone puts up a picture of their product and they say hey you know how much should i charge for this and someone you know and they say i'm thinking you're charging 20 dollars." and somebody always writes something like i wouldn't pay that it doesn't i could do that for five dollars mm-hmm. and it's like what are you doing with your day why be such a hater you know but the thing is 20 people have said it's wonderful but we all focus on that negative person but that negative person isn't thinking about you at the other end, usually, they're just thinking about themselves. You, you know, mm. does that make sense? Yeah, mm. I totally agree. And they are thinking yeah. about themselves. And the thing, I think it's important to realize that you touched on this earlier, where you said, you know, we are problem solving 
creatures. Like what we do is we look for problems to solve. When 20 people say your thing is awesome, that's safe. But when one person challenges you and says it's not, that causes a a biochemical reaction in our body that says we have to solve a problem because someone might not like us, therefore we might get thrown out of the tribe and killed. You know, it's it's (laughs) that long, it's that thing that's been ingrained in our biology for thousands of years and by realizing that that's the case you can go oh that's just what i'm trained to do so i can choose to move past it and let it go uh you know rather than stewing in the the juices of of fear (laughs) which is what happens (laughs) we are not going to be eaten by that dinosaur we don't we can just go back to our cave and ignore that dinosaur do you know what i mean that's the joy of being involved evolved creatures but we all fall prey to it and i think it's reassuring to know that everybody feels that way because it can you know we're often working on our own you know maybe our families get what we do but maybe they don't and and so we go to these communities for reassurance for camaraderie and then when something negative does happen it does hurt um and i think there's no denying that so Mm -hmm. it's good to just admit it but then kind of try and put it in a box and ignore it now speaking of this idea of uh, how we react to things do you think anybody can have a successful business or be a successful entrepreneur or do you think some people are kind of just better suited to it than others that's a really really good question um because I've worked with now, you know, my area of, of helping people is people who are copywriters and writers. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do I, there are traits to me of the people that do better than others. I'm not saying you can't be successful because you have to define what success means to you. Yes. Um, and, you know, success is very different for different people. But say, you know, you want to earn a certain income, you want to have a steady flow of clients. Yeah, there is a certain type of person that does better at that than others. And that is the person who is A, willing to work hard. I mean, it is hard work. It does mean making sacrifices. And, you know, some people aren't willing to make those sacrifices. Some people aren't willing to suffer in that way. Mm. Um, And the willingness to put yourself out there. So we've touched on two of them. Um, And there's an excellent uh, book out at the moment, the title of which I can't possibly fully say, but uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving A. Oh, yes. By Mark Um, Manson, I believe. Yes, very good. And it was, you know, one thing he says in that, which I thought was very powerful, is like the people who run triathlons are the ones who enjoy getting up at 5 a.m. and going to the gym on some level. They are the ones who will be successful at that. The people who are thin and healthy are the ones who enjoy preparing food and thinking about fresh ingredients and counting calories. They they will be successful at that. And in business, you have to find some level of enjoyment in the ups and downs, in the hard work, in the late nights, in the dealing with the issues. There has to be some gratification that you get from that. If all of that just makes you feel like, then probably it's not the thing for you. Does that make sense? Yes. I just you've got to enjoy the horror as well as the goodness you know or or not enjoy it but be able to get through it on some level and yeah kind of enjoy it like you do get to the point where someone trolls you and you you find it funny rather than upsetting you know when you get to that point I think you're winning you know yeah I agree and you know I I like to think because I you know I I've been I've sent been sent nasty emails and things like that over the years and when it happens now I just kind of I actually feel compassionate towards that person uh, it, I'll give you an example of how I try to live my life. Don't get me wrong. I don't always, don't always succeed, but yeah. I used to be really, really bad road ragey. Like I'd, I'd drive along and you know, in my head, get all cr- grumpy at people for doing stupid things on the road, uh, for cutting me off or whatever. And now I just try to, I try to flip it and think, 
it must be difficult slash sad to be that person who is so stressed that they're always driving like a crazy person. Like what, what must it be like to live in their mind where everything is a, you know, everything is a rush. Everything is stressful. Every, every person is a, is a challenge to them or a threat to them. And it can help you kind of flip the switch on how you feel about angry people really. And, and think that have compassion for the suffering that they must be going through to be that angry about like a podcast you put out or something that you said on the internet. So that helps to kind of change how you look at that rather than reacting with, you know, an equal amount of anger or fear. Yeah. It's funny that you say that. I used to have a post-it note stuck to my computer, which just said, don't react. That was was literally (laughs) it. Because for every situation, every bad email, every silly comment, everything, it was like, just don't react to that right now, you know, mm-hmm. don't and come back to it in a day and you just won't, you just won't care as much. And the longer you leave it, the better. And also there's an amazing button on our keyboard um, up near the top called uh, above the return button. It's delete, <laughs> delete. Delete that comment. That don't leave it there and read it seventy-two times. <laughs> working over the word. Delete that email. Don't save it and print it out and show it to your husband and your cat and talk about it in communities. Just delete it. Just get rid of it. You know they probably won't email you again. You know what I mean? I just yeah. think we don't use the delete button enough. We feel like we have to resolve it. I think you put it very very well. We feel like it sets off a reaction and we go, we must solve this problem. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just don't have to. No, you don't. And you don't have to take on other people's problems and try to solve it for them. Um, And and that goes, and and that goes for life as well, obviously. Um, But we do tend to bring that through into our business. And this is the interesting whole, the customer is always right thing. They're not. No, the customer (laughs) is often a complete arse hat. That will get through. You're allowed to say arse. (laughs) And, you know, and you as the business owner have to, be the one with integrity and you you know you're not ever going to reply with a, a ranty sweary email to your customers i hope don't do that um take the high road you know be the yeah. one who takes the high road but that doesn't mean you have to cave to no, an unreasonable customer yeah i mean i think you know an example that you would have with your customer base is that person who comes back and says you know this isn't what i ordered or this isn't mm. how i thought it would be and you've got two routes, isn't it? You can argue with them, but they probably just want an argument. Or you can just resolve it in some way. And often, you know, we argue, we go back and forth on something that's maybe like a $15 thing. Mm-hmm. Just give them their money back. They're never going to be happy. Just let that one go. Write that one off. It's that whole, you know, I never wrestle with pigs because you both get muddy and the pig likes it. You know, <laughs> the people... Who- the people who are, who are these sort of people, they want to get a reaction out of you. That's what they're craving for because they've got sad little lives. So don't don't join in. Just, you know, walk away. Don't be that pig. Definitely. So we've talked about quite a number of issues, but do you think there are other ideas that people generally hold about being in business that need to be challenged? Yeah, I mean, a big one in the book I talk about is, you know, that we have to have a business plan and we have to set goals and we have to have structure. So I've never had a business plan. You know, I've never had financial strict goals that I have to set. Um, you know, that works well for me because I'm the sort of person, as soon as you tell me I have to do something, I don't want to do it. Um, and, you know, as soon as you set a target, I feel pressured and stressed and then I don't hit that target and then I feel bad about myself. So to get rid of that, just don't set yourself targets. I, I, and it sounds very demotivating. But um, for me, it's 
worked really, really well. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't have to say, I want to earn 10 grand this month to earn 10 grand that month. You don't have to set goals. The other thing I think is we're often told to avoid shiny object syndrome. We're not supposed to get distracted. We're supposed to stay on our path, put the blinkers on, keep going. And that's the only way to succeed. Well, I definitely disagree with that. Most of the best bits of my business were once shiny objects or stupid ideas that other people would laugh at or frown upon. But they've evolved into fantastic things. Some of them haven't. Uh, The story I always tell is my little foray into making tea towels um, for my SEO course. Mm-hmm. what the f you know like i was gonna have a range of details that you could buy with the course because that makes perfect sense i'm buying an seo course i need a tea towel and um, and you know it was a stupid idea i still have the tea towel it's beautiful but i let go of it so i think making mistakes trying silly things is what makes our businesses interesting because it'd be a very boring life if we just did exactly what we put in our business plan five years ago I'm a completely different person to the person I was five years ago. My business is completely different. So I'm so glad that I never set myself a plan. That's a really good point because, you know, it is very pervasive, this idea that we have to plan, that we have to have goals, that we have to have uh, a definite. And I'm a big fan of of thinking ahead, uh, but I like to think of it more as, like, think about where you want to be. And what sort of life you want to be living and use that as your kind of touchstone for if you're going in the right direction or not. And also another one that I like to talk about is something I call core values. So if you have a couple of things that are your core values in your business, it makes making decisions really easy because then you can just go, well, does this direction align with my core values? Yes or no. And then you just go, okay, well, that's the way I'm going to go. And the beautiful thing about these sorts of things, you know, core values, future visions, they're never, ever set in stone. They can always be changed. And so they're a guide, nothing more. And they're a self-imposed guide to that point. So, you know, if you do change or your business changes or a shiny object appears that seems to not work but seems to draw your attention and you think it might be a thing, then there's no reason not to follow it. Yeah, I mean, I basically just ask myself three questions before I do anything. And that's like, will I enjoy it? Uh, Does my audience want it? And will it make me money? And sometimes I can't find the thing to tick all those three boxes. So, for example, the book, you never make money out of books unless you're J.K. Rowling. But I really wanted to do it. And I think one thing that's really underestimated in running a successful entrepreneur business is enjoyment. This is meant to be enjoyable. Otherwise, we can all go and get a job working at Cole's checkout. That actually wasn't a horrible job. We could get a horrible job. Do you know what I mean? We mm. could go back, our, go back to our day jobs. The whole point of having a business is it's supposed to get some satisfaction and some enjoyment out of it, not just money and not just customers, you know. And, and therefore, you know, I've got to be having fun. And if I'm doing something that isn't fun i'm not saying i'm sitting here laughing and slapping my thighs all day with <laughs> me but generally i have you know some of my bigger projects are my money earners and yes you know maybe they're not as enjoyable as they once were but they're my bread and butter therefore i have to reward myself with some silly stuff because otherwise why am i here why am i doing this it's my business it's got to make me happy yeah i totally agree and i think it's really important um the I've never found it a good way of saying this, but the Buddhists have this concept of right livelihood. So you're doing something that you feel good about. 
Um, and I think it's important that you feel good about what you do, about your business, that you're proud of it. You're proud of yourself for, for going in that direction and doing something that makes you happy and that brings something positive to the world. And you're absolutely right. Like there comes a point and I think, I think money can motivate you up to a point. You know, if you don't have it, it can motivate you because you need it to pay the bills and eat. But when you reach a point in business where you are earning a good amount of money that allows you to do all of those things, money, well, I don't know about other people, but for me, money stops being a motivating force at that point because, well, like you said, why, why do I need to keep striving to earn more? So you need to find other things that really motivate you to keep going and to keep enjoying what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think we, you and I are similar and probably the audience as well. I enjoy making things. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, I'm not making uh, jewellery or, or whatever, but I enjoy making a thing that solves a problem for some people. I really enjoy that. I, I enjoy the challenge of thinking, what's the best way of doing it? I'm working on something silly today, which is it's not silly, but it's a phone script. So when you first call, you get a call from a client as a copywriter, what do you say? You know, and what are those questions that really throw you off and make you go, um, um, um. And I'm really enjoying producing that. And I know I'll enjoy the reaction when I send that out to my membership. And I'll enjoy the feedback that they give me. And they say, oh, I like this bit. This really helped. That's what I do it for. You know, um, <laughs> that's that's my why now. But as you said, it, my why for a long time was paid mortgage. And that's still an important why. But your whys do change over time. They do. And, yeah, I'm the same. You know, the, the thing that really makes my day and keeps me going are those emails or Facebook comments or you know, when somebody emails you and says, you know, you changed my life or something yeah. you put out there changed how I think about things and it's made me happier or helped me to do something I wanted to do, that there's nothing that can really beat that. <laughs> there isn't. I, I do think I, I, I do think you have to be careful not to, to let those positive comments affect you too much or the negative comments affect you too much. So you need to kind of coast in the middle of them mm. uh, because otherwise you can start to believe your own hype and think you're some amazing human. Uh, <laughs> Which, of course, we all are. But, you know, it's trying not to be swayed too much by either side, either the negative or the positive, And just, you know, know, have you, you talked about it yourself, know your core, know your core values, know why you do stuff. And, and also those core values don't have to be particularly edifying. You know, we're not curing cancer or, or helping Syrian refugees. Your core values can simply be that you don't want to work in the evenings because you want to spend that time with your family um, or you want to spend an hour a day doing this. You know, they, they don't they don't have to be big. And I think that's the other thing. We're also meant to be doing amazing, life changing, world altering things. And, and we're not. And we can't all be those people. But there's nothing wrong with that. No, there absolutely isn't. And there's nothing wrong with just being an ordinary human being who does yeah. something that makes them happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's all that matters. It's funny, isn't it, though? But we're, we're, we're kind of told that that's not okay. Uh, mm. You know, what's wrong with being a nobody is a big line from the book and a big thing. What's wrong with just being a nobody? Why, again, are we all – lots of people are trying to seek fame and be the, the most well-known in their area or whatever. But, again, that doesn't necessarily bring you any happiness. It brings new problems. So, you know, I'm a big exponent of staying small – of uh, being a nobody, <laughs> of, you know, doing what makes you happy um, and, and that all being okay, you know, it's, it's all right. No one's judging you for it apart from yourself. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And it's, it's just, it's just, it's okay, you know, 
this idea, and it, I think it really comes back to this whole, the whole entrepreneur mystique, you know, that yeah. you somehow have to be fancy or famous or have perfect makeup or have the fancy car or, you know, be loved by everybody. And it's just not necessary. It's not even true. <laughs> even, uh, even the people who seem to portray that, it's not even true. And I've never personally understood the appeal of fame. I mean, I like my privacy. <laughs> yeah, it would be quite hideous. I mean, I've had even just the tiniest taste of it when you when you go to events and people know mm. you because you've been online. And it and it and it's 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 lovely, but it's also I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to say to people who, you know, it, I, I'm not comfortable. I'm not as comfortable with it as I thought I would be. And um, so it must be horrendous to be somebody like Kim Kardashian, despite the money and and fame. You know, I would think that would be a hideous way to live your life. Um, might be right for some people. It mm. wouldn't wouldn't be right for me. I'm a I'm an ambivert i think is the phrase i can only be extroverted for so long and i think to be famous you, you need to be pretty good at being extrovert a lot of the time i agree now are there any um parts of the entrepreneurial sort of stereotypes that you actually think are helpful or true yeah i mean i think you know in the book basically what i do is i take each entrepreneurial stereotype and i challenge it um, and the only one that I, I couldn't really challenge, the one that I do think is important, is all around time management and organisation. I do think that that makes a profound difference between, you know, having whatever your version of success is and not. You know, so the people who can structure their day, who can self-motivate, create tasks, tick them off, keep track of their time, you know, not fanny around on social media too much. Those are the people who I find are more successful um, so that's one. I mean, I'm not someone who wakes up at 4 a.m., has does yoga, have my green smoothie, and then <laughs> I'm not that person. I am like you. I've got four or five hours a day in which I try and cram everything in. Mm-hmm. But, you know, little techniques, like the big technique that I love that I talk about is the Pomodoro technique. I love that. Yeah, I'm sure you've talked about it with your membership. But you take 25 minutes to do a task, then you have a five-minute break or 20 minutes and five minutes, and you only work on that task for 20 minutes that's all you do and then you take a definite break and then you come back and I can do that for maybe three or four hours and just smash through stuff I can't do it every day some days you just wake up and you're like I don't want to do that (laughs) Um, like I'm not doing that today I'm just drifting around doing bits and bobs but it's very powerful so that's one of the what that's one of the entrepreneur things that I do think really works structure time management and organization do you agree? I, yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a very, very important thing. And I think the main thing there is to be realistic with how much time you actually have in your life to work on your business and working out the techniques that will help you make the most of that time because different techniques will work better for different people depending on your personality. So experiment with them, try them out, see what works. I mean, Pomodoro for me, on days where I have a lot to do, that's what I use because yes. it helps me focus for, you know, you have that period of time, you work, then you have a, you stand up, you go away and you have a proper break and it helps your brain to just reset before you go back again. Most days though, I don't like you, I don't use it. I have a list of things. I'll do a little bit of work and sort of do something else and then come back and do a little bit more. work. I do have working hours though. Um, like I don't ever start work unless I have like a call or an interview scheduled, I never start work before 10 a.m. and I generally will finish before four o'clock. And that's only on weekdays and I don't work on weekends. So 
having that um, when you're self-employed, I think, especially you work at home, <laughs> you need you need that structure and those boundaries around your work. Otherwise, it just seeps into the rest of your life and you never actually get a break. And that's how burnout happens. Yeah, you know, whatever gaps appear in your life, your work will seep into them. It will seep into those cracks and fill them up. And boundaries are so important. That's still something I'm nine years in. I'm still working on that. You know, I I generally try not to work weekends, but sometimes there's something to be said for taking a Sunday and just having a whole day with no phone calls, no school pickup. You know, if you can get that, if your family lets you have that, (laughs) it can be amazing to have that. So I don't, I'm not too hard and fast on that, but I hate working evenings. One thing, I, mm-hmm. I just made a decision last week. I really loathe doing evening webinars, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that my audience wants them because a lot of them are, are, are mums and that's the time when they put their kids to bed, but I loathe them. I'm tired. I want to be watching The Bachelor. I do not want to. <laughs> and I just thought, well, I, I'm just not going to do them then. And if that has an impact on my business, so be it because – I don't want to do something that makes me miserable. I'm not sure that had anything to do with your point, but working <laughs> working hours are important. That's one of my boundaries. The other thing that I do, which is a little sneaky one, is I try and make the first thing that I do every day something that will make me money. So by that I mean, and that kind of sounds kind of greedy, but what I mean is I don't first start off with my social media or checking my email. I try and make something or do something that will have that ultimately will make that has a direct way of making me money. I mean, I know being on social media can ultimately lead to brand awareness and blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> it's a very long path. Mm-hmm. So that doing something first up that could ultimately make me money makes me feel like, great, I've done that. I've done my money thing. Now I can move on and do other things. It starts my day off quite well. That's really interesting. I like that perspective. I actually thought you were going to say the whole, the first thing I do every day is the thing I least want to do to get it out of the way. Because that's another yeah. one of those things you hear a lot. Eat that frog. Yeah. yeah. I've got so many frogs that are uneaten. Um, I'm supposed to be eating a frog today and I'm, I'm talking to you and this frog has been hanging around for months. So I, I'd love to say that I, do. I might lick that frog. Like just, I'll open up the document, look at it and feel depressed and close it again, but I don't eat the frog. I'm a frog licker. A frog licker. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not so good at the eating the frog thing either, no. to be honest. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I wait, I wait until it's absolutely desperation time and that's amazing what you can do when you because I'm a terrible person for saying to people yeah I'm doing this and it's going live on this date and I haven't even started it and that it's a stupid way to run a business but sometimes that's all that works the sheer <laughs> sheer panic and terror um, <laughs> get you over the line get you to shove that frog down your throat finally were you one of those people in school who like didn't do the assignment to the last minute I, I absolutely was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I and I was one of those nerds who like started it the day you got it and then made sure it was done a week before so I had time to revise it I'm not quite that organized anymore because I don't have time square. to be I knew you were a square I, <laughs> I totally am <laughs> respect I wanted more of a square I'm a rhomboid a rhomboid a parallelogram I'm not sure you're a misfit a proud misfit I'm a misfit nice segue like that <laughs> speaking of misfits where can people find a copy of your book, Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur? Well, luckily, I'm, I'm quite good at search engine optimization. That's kind of my business. If you type, <laughs> if you type Kate Toon into Google, you'll find something. Kate, there's not many other Kate Toons, thankfully. Um, so you can type that in. They'll go to www.katetoon.com slash misfit, and you shall find it there. 
Excellent. And I recommend it because uh, it's really helpful, I think, to realize that I think deep down we're all misfits in our own way and we're all a bit weird and we're all a bit different. And it's helpful to realize that. And that kind yeah. of frees you up to just get on with it. Absolutely. When when pe- people sort of reveal how what a mess their brain is and their business is, it's very reassuring. And that's kind of what I do in the book. And I take the mick out of myself very much in the book as well. So it's hopefully a giggle. Some people have had wee-wee moments from the book, which is pretty good. <laughs> I definitely had many giggles when I was reading it. So that's... Uh... No, no, no wee-wee moments? Your pelvis mm, stood up? I think they held up pretty much. <laughs> Thanks so much, Kate. It was awesome to have you on chatting about uh, entrepreneurship and life and business today. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Lovely. Thanks so much. Huge thanks to Kate for coming on the show. I had a great time chatting with you and I hope you all enjoyed that episode with Kate Toon. Remember, Thriver Circle membership is opening very soon, September 27th. Head on over to thrivercircle.com to find out all of the benefits of becoming a member of the circle. And I hope you do decide to join us and uh, join our wonderful, wonderful community of people from all over the world. Thanks so much for listening and for another week. I'm Jess Van Den. This has been the Create and Thrive podcast and goodbye for now.